everybody welcome to the 310th edition of the holy backboard podcast i am dustin here in rip city and i got my man sage chilling live and direct 310 it's always cool to have a episode with a zero like you know brand new decade or brand new you know 10 digits so it's always it's always great to celebrate those milestones when you're working and doing like a project like this where you know every week we deliver the goods and you know every 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 episode is you know one step closer but you know when you see these three tens through 20s it's like okay we we really did the shit we've we've been out here it's it's been a, a very long time uh when you really think about when me and you start doing this weekly kind uh-huh. of lasers digest and you know they the time really does fly when you're having fun and the one constant has been aside from last year i feel like the the blazer basketball has been fun to watch and this year i feel like it hasn't disappointed at all uh the the blazers despite injuries maybe despite being undersized despite being maybe counted out they're still putting on a show every single night. I think uh, last night uh, omitted, but that's with with good circumstance, right? The the chips are down. They're without a lot of their a lot of their their main pieces to the the puzzle. But it's just been a really fun season so far. And like for the first time in a while, you're actually excited that oh, today is a Blazer game day. I don't have to hope we get crushed by 30 so our lottery odds can improve. Now, ask me in in February if that's still the case. But right now, we're still excited that they're sitting, you know, near the top of the Western Conference uh, right now that they're six and three. They had a little bit of a weird week. Uh, It started with a loss at home against the Memphis Grizzlies, 111 to 106. It was odd in the sense that the Blazers had a four day gap between breaks and those breaks it wasn't like they were coming back from a road trip they were just kind of stuck at home so they didn't look quite like themselves they got themselves into a 17 point hole eventually tied the game uh but they didn't have some calls go their way the last two minute report came out the following day um but you win some and you lose some and you kind of just credit them for making a game out of it especially on uh espn which it was nationally televised they come back friday uh, the first game of six on the road against the the one of the best teams in the Western Conference, the Phoenix Suns, and the news broke that they would be without Anthony Simons as well as he's dealing with the left ish uh, left foot issue. And you know, I was fully expecting just to be a complete non contest. And the Blazers not only won the game, but they almost led wire to wire. Uh, it was a fabulous game. Contributions up and down the board, really capped by that. Last second shot by Jeremy Grant, uh, great pass by Justice Winslow, and, and they stunned the the Phoenix Suns. Phoenix kind of got their revenge, winning by twenty. Uh, the the following night, one hundred two eighty two. But the good news is Portland is done with Phoenix. They won the season series two to one, and to play three of to play two of those games without Lillard and Simons, um, I I mean that's that's really impressive. 
I, I don't I didn't even care Saturday that the game was over by halftime. You got your split. You continue to buy time while Damian Lillard uh, prog- progresses with his, you know, his rehab. And hopefully Anthony Simons is, is pretty close to returning as well. Uh, but you're one and one on, on the road trip so far and you're six and three still. I, I think you take that anytime given the the depth issues that, that we kind of first saw early in the season, uh, the size issues and the lack the, of guard the, issues, the guard issues. So it's really wonderful to see players step up. Just Justice Winslow had a near triple double on Friday, 12 points, nine rebounds, nine assists. Jeremy Grant was just a monster. Uh, I think he had 30 points. I think he led that second quarter, which was the quarter that we really needed to have the the lead in that game. Like the the Suns continued to catch, try and catch up, but they couldn't make it past that second quarter buffer that we built. And I feel like a lot of that was Jeremy built Grant. it up to 15. Absolutely, you know Jeremy Grant had 30, and then you look at just like the contributions across the board, like everyone else. Uh, really stepped up. Josh Hart kicks in nine rebounds and six assists. You get, we mentioned Justice Winslow's line, uh, Shaden Sharp, 10 points. Yusuf Nurkic, 14 and eight. That you last get, that last rotation by Yusuf was huge. Was, uh, the clutchest of clutch. Like he got DA in, in uh, foul trouble and got two clutch rebounds. Yeah. Two threes, the tips. Yeah, he was, he's finishing. Uh, you get 11 off the bench from Keon Johnson, 10 on a perfect five of five shooting from, Drew Eubanks and I even thought Jabari Walker's nine minutes of run were were positive. He was a plus plus four and the plus minus. Uh, one of the most enjoyable games to watch of the season because the bar was so low and they cleared it with so much room uh, just to go. So uh, really awesome game right there for the Blazers. You really wish they could go back and get that Memphis game. Keon has that three in the corner that if if he hits that really caps that comeback like they were down 17 and then all of a sudden it's tied he hits that to go up three I think the ending's a little bit different but it is what it is uh Memphis got hot right to start the fourth quarter and there was really nothing Portland could do uh like I said sometimes when I watch this team play and I, I really have to take a step back because one they've had quite a bit of injuries already they haven't had a healthy Second, they haven't had a healthy, yeah. a healthy, a healthy unit. Gary Payton's been out the mm. whole time. You're now playing without Damian Lillard, and then Josh Hart only played 13 games last year. Justice Winslow probably didn't play too many more. Uh, Nasir Little, the, the same story. He's he's been in and out of the lineup. The, his tenure with Portland, Shaden Sharp is a rookie, really fresh out of high school. Keon Johnson is a second year player who didn't get a lot of run last year. Then you're throwing in Drew Eubanks, who was added at the deadline. Uh, Trenton Watford is just now coming back. Jabari Walker is a rookie. I mean, you just go up and down the roster and these players haven't played a lot of basketball, let alone played it together. So when you watch them, sometimes it's like, oh my God, the spacing's bad. Or what, why are you just going one on five? Why do you have the tunnel vision? And, And I think a lot of it is they just aren't accustomed to playing not only basketball, because of the you know the season just started so they're they're still getting their 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 basketball legs and they're they're kind of still getting into the rhythm but they haven't played with this collective group of players and now roles are kind of getting you know reversed and kind of thrown out of whack ants out dames out okay who's going to handle the ball who's going to be option one because 
without those two options, everything it, changes, bro. Yeah, it could be Nurk, it could be Hart, it could be Shaden, it could be Jeremy Grant. Like, there's no real pecking order that says, "No, I'm the guy. Give me the ball. Let, let me go go do work." So you're really asking a team of parts and pieces to mm-hmm. play to play like a cohesive unit when you're almost just going into a grab bag, like Halloween candy dish. And you're hoping you get like all Kit Kats and Skittles. And sometimes you do. And sometimes you don't Friday. We did Saturday. We we didn't. And I think that's to be expected. And I really think that's to be expected. Even when Dame and Ant work themselves back into the lineup, because it's still a unit, even when healthy, that hasn't really seen 82 minutes without Dame without Dame and Ant. 82 yeah. minutes. That's a lot. Like that that in the grand scheme of the season, which thousands of minutes will be played, only 82 without those guys on the court? That's insane. Mm. And like Keon, Keon's the main like beneficiary of no dame and no ant. So he like I think it's awesome that Keon has showed the quick first step, the decisive decision making, and then the 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 off-ball three in those times like he's playing like a guy that knows that gary payton is getting healthier and healthier and trying to like make a claim to those minutes being his as well i think that gary payton's gonna get the first strike at those minutes but having keon play such good ball and like he's doing something that i know gary payton can't do with setting players up it's pretty I don't particularly think Justice Winslow is that good when Dame and Ant are on the floor. But when Dame and Ant aren't on the floor, he's he he took on a lot of that responsibility of setting players up in these two games without those stars. So, you know, unlikely people are stepping up and pl- playing outside of what their roles were agreed to be on. And they're showing out. I mean, you don't expect... I think I feel like we out written grind the uh, Suns the first game. I didn't expect that to happen again where the Suns no, are because Phoenix has our attention now. Yeah, yeah. Like we didn't, we weren't that high up in there. Like, who's Keon Johnson? Who's who are these players? Like Drew Eubanks, they can like they don't know these guys, but after that ass beating, they got their mind right and you know decided we're gonna put our foot down and not let these guys really do anything like you saw them do that ha- that trap on Jeremy Grant when he wasn't really even that productive like they remember that shit yeah and what makes it even more impressive that the Blazers are six and three is they're turning the ball over at a really high rate that they're turning they have they average 16.9 turnovers per game tied with the Warriors for worst in the league and some of them are just from young players. I, I, I looked at Keon Johnson. Uh, he had the ball and he didn't know what to do. And he just kind of like threw it back away, like in the mm-hmm. backcourt. And you could just see the coaching staff was just like, okay, like the, this, this is our only option right now. We we have to play. We can't through. bench him right now. <laughs> Who are you going to put in, yeah. right? So I think everybody's going to make the, like even vets made some dumb decisions because they got, everything got moved up. Like everybody's role was moved up because of the, those two injuries. Like was there a moment where Anthony went out in that Grizzly game or did he play the entire game? He played the whole game. That's why I didn't even see he was hurt. So when I saw that he was out, I was like, and 
they did something dope. Uh, and you know, I don't like to. They told us that he was out hours ago. Like the, the they were required to say it by 3 p.m. I knew about it at 11 a.m. So they did. They knew. Like Keon and Justice knew these two games are theirs. Like they they had all of the the leash in the world to do what they did and to come out against one of the elite teams and stealing one is pretty pretty awesome. How do you feel? about Keon Johnson's future with the Blazers as a point guard, or do you think he's just, he has to be one of the two guards and you have to pair him with a playmaker? Because I see he and GP2, like not right now, but maybe next year or the year after, like it's going to come to a point where Portland has to choose between one and the other. I, I absolutely think that. I think that Keon has the ability to be a guard, uh, like a, a, a decision maker more so than Anthony Simons even. Like, I think that his vision is actually pretty good in the read-react type of offense where he makes a play happen, and then when they send help, he finds that guy. I don't think he'll ever be a point guard point guard, but I think he'd be a combo guard. And I didn't initially think that he had that in his bag when I saw him at Tennessee or I saw him on the Clippers in those limited runs. So to... I think that he was forever going to be a combo guard, but there's nothing wrong with being a combo guard if you can set people up like he can set people up. I mean, up. What, what did we say when we made that trade? It was like, the ceiling is Marcus Smart. If he can be Marcus Smart, you take it and run. I think that he's a more, he has a, a bigger bag than Marcus, though. Like, he, he know, there's a lot of people that need dribble help. He is not one of those guys on this team that needs dribble help, you know? Like, he, he makes a decision. I don't uh, how many guards outside of CJ McCollum are decision makers in Damian Lillard's tenure on this team. It ain't much. Steve Blake. See that like the, Mo, he, no, not Mo. Mo Williams was just catch and shoot. But he, I mean, he made a decision. The ball was going up. But, <laughs> but yeah, that's a that we everyone. That's a different that deci- kind of decision maker than I. You know, when I saw him at Tennessee, I was like, this dude is not a shooter. He is not a he has issues in that department, but like ooh, Jesus Christ. I guess we should really uh I just looked at some of his shooting numbers. I guess we should like the uh the the, the open threes that are made because his shooting numbers are pretty scary, but let's let's look at the good things in his uh his profile. I, I think I, tr- I I personally think the catch and shoot threes looked good. He he was a, a real kind of he had a lot of issues to get us back into that Memphis game. Mm-hmm. Like he hit those two open threes, and that's all you need to do in the NBA is hit an open three because you space the floor for your primary playmakers. Like we don't need him to create off the drive. Yeah, no, no, no. He had that great spin move against Memphis. And if you watch the Phoenix game, he went to that a couple other times. That's his that's his go-to move off of the drive. It's just that quick spin. So he's definitely working to get other counters where he's comfortable to put them into a game. I don't need him shooting off the dribble. Just no, no, I don't I don't think he's that dude. Man. <laughs> Ooh. Ugh. I'm just looking at some of these numbers with Dame and Ant off, and it, it's it's scary. Because there's looking, only been two games with Dame or Ant off, though. I know, but it's. I'm also looking for games that they didn't play, but like, 
I, I, I don't need those I think boys with back. a player like he, you have to the, the, the last three games because that's where he's really gotten his chance to play. Like I don't last year was garbage time. Nobody was they didn't want to win last year, not the players, but the organization didn't want to win last year. And and I think I'm just looking at these last three like he's really improved when he got a chance to to perform. So here I am looking at. Those three games without Damien, without Ant. I think that there are a lot of go- great things about uh, Keon Johnson outside of everything. I think that he's a plus dribbler. I think he's a plus playmaker. I think he's a plus defender. He might not be an efficient shooter, so we should really enjoy those open threes that he's getting right now. Because I'm looking and it's like, Ooh, I'm looking at all of our guys' shooting percentages, and I'll even take out the Suns' second game, and it's ew, ew, ew. So, I think there's plenty of potential for him in his game if he can hit that open corner three, just like Gary Payton did with the Golden State Warriors. You can't take him off the floor, so that really is the the X factor for him to stay on, get on the floor, stay on the floor. Because his effort's always going to be there. His the heart that he shows, the the athleticism for right now isn't leaving him anytime soon. What he needs to do is get in that lab, make those numbers that I'm looking at right now in terms of like percentages go up. And I think that he could be. I think that we're going to have to make a decision point between him and Gary relatively soon. And I think where I'm at with the shooting is more towards memphis less than phoenix like i i want him at a lower volume and i think he could hit two out of four open threes now when you start getting him the volume shots that he was getting in phoenix that's where the percentage is going to drop and where it did for now but like give him the type of looks that maybe nasir is getting nasir is hitting them as well when he's taking them like in, in the games where there's a rhythm and where he's getting open looks and he's not trying to create for himself i feel like he's hitting them as well so it's it's a good first step but a player i wanted to to ask well, one about, thing about nasir he's shooting 30 percent better than justice keon and all of those bad shooters so he, he's he's shown that he can shoot which is, is something that i didn't think was really possible but right now he's shooting i think if you give nasir an open three he's gonna hit it um and i feel comfortable with, with him taking you know on him you know breaking uh dribblers down but i think just, he i don't, I don't think he's Got that in his bag, really. Not many players do. No, that that separates the men from the boys. In One terms player of I wanted to discuss is what's up with Josh Hart in November, and it's these past three games without Damian Lillard. Um, it just feels like he's been a little bit passive. The the production and scoring has dropped off a cliff. Uh, just for a point of reference, so last year, thirteen games with Portland. Again, no Damian Lillard when he played in Portland last year. 32 minutes a game. He took 14 shots. He took six and a half threes, got to the line four and a half times, and averaged 20 points per game. In October of this season, he was averaging 11 points. I get it. Dame, Ant, Nurk, Grant, that makes sense. But with Dame and Ant gone, five five points. I know it's a smaller sample size, but I expected I expected him to be one of those players to take initiative because if you look at his last three games, I know it's three games, but who knows 
when we're going to see the next time with there's no Ant and no Dame, five total three-point field goals attempt and just 5.7 field goal attempts per game. I mean, that's you're not really um, fighting for shots. You've got Justice passing the ball. Nurk wants to pass the ball. I mean, no one out there is commanding 25 shots a night. So it was. it's just interesting when you look at Josh Hart last year, he put up 41 against the Wizards. And you look at him this year, and it just seems like it's two completely different players. Not, And I'm talking specifically mentality when it comes to scoring the basketball. He's doing a fantastic job of rebounding the ball. Nobody's going to deny that. He tries on defense. But just scoring the basketball and looking to score, it seems like, you know, we kind of uh, texted through it. I was like, it's low-key like watching Ben Simmons out there. Like, where's our guy from last year scoring the ball? So you asked me to look at usage rates for for uh, Josh, and I think that that was the ba- a a fine way to look at it. But I wanted to look at true shooting, which is the nerd's way of looking at uh, shooting percentages. Like uh, it, it includes three point shooting and free throws. So if you look at like elite guys, they have a seventy percent true shooting percentage. So Dame, Joker, Luca, that type of stuff. A good true shooting percentage guy is 60. So I wanted to look at what Josh is and I was very curious of just like you, what's up with his shooting. So he has a 39% true shooting percentage for reference. Somebody that we've been talking that has been kind of dragged this year for their shooting percentage Russell Westbrook has a 50% true shooting percentage. So he's significantly lower than Westbrook. So I think that with Josh Hart and his shooting, there's a large window of possibilities that could happen. It can be the most perfect green, like perfect squish ever. But we've seen with Josh that it can also just, he kind of has those Russell Westbrook uh, shot tendencies where it can be a complete air ball. It can be a swish. I think right now he's just not trusting his shot and is doing anything he can to avoid shooting. And I think that he's shown that he is a good enough shooter to not, to, to, to make it past the shooting slump. But right now he's like one of the worst shooters in the league. So I don't know what it is with his confidence, but he's just not trusting it. And one of the perfect uh, like things that I saw with Josh was he had the ball at the top of the key and didn't even think about pulling and drove it on a fully contested basket with five sons right there. If that doesn't show that I don't particularly trust my shot right now, there's nothing else. Because when he was making that 40-point game last year, he was pulling. I think there's something wrong right now with how he feels about how he's shooting. Because you know, like, you've played enough games to know, like, I'm not right with the shot right now. Let me pass it or let me try and get a layup. I think that, that like, Josh Hart right now just doesn't trust his shot. I think that he's good enough to make it so he can trust his shot. But right now it's just like, I will do anything other than shoot. I will do the Ben Simmons thing. I will do the dream on thing. I'm a worse shooter than Russell Westbrook right now. I get it, but I think that, He's the type of dude that's going to work past this lump. He's not going to Nick Anderson it. He's not going to just 
Bam out of bio during the playoffs. He's going to figure it out. But right now it's brutal because without Dame, without Ant, he might be one of our best shooters, but he's just not doing it. And that's why you saw Yusuf Nurkic shoot threes with Justice on the court, with Keon on the court, with Josh not trusting his three. Nurk might be one of our best shooters on the team. So he had to he had to leave his zone of the dunker spot and be a spacer. So like the lack of shooting or the lack of confidence in the shot negatively affected numerous players because he doesn't trust it. It means Yusuf has to be a spacer. Like there was four dudes near the rim and Yusuf, the tallest and biggest guy, wasn't near it. It was, you know, justice in the dunker spot. Josh trying to drive into into where someone else is standing. So I, th- I think it's like a confidence issue. But I do think that he will get past it. It's just this slump's kind of kind of rough. And especially without Damon Ant. Yeah, you and I both uh, appreciate what Josh Hart brings to the table. Question for you, given his contract status, I believe he has a player option at the end of this season. And with the in, enhanced uh development of of Shaden Sharp is Portland going to have to make a decision at the deadline like is is, is Shaden make cuz I think I don't think there's any going back from Shaden right like you you're giving him minutes yeah they're going to get peered uh pulled back a bit once once Lillard and Simons come back but I don't think there's any going back like you're you're not going to play him less than 10 or 15 a night even when Peyton returns like he's he's doing too many special things and he's really just coming into his own. I, you know, I, I think we, we discussed this maybe on the first episode of this season that Portland does need some depth up front. Is 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 Hart a candidate to get traded? I, I obviously it's early and nothing will really happen until that December 15th date when anybody who signs a contract can really get, get moved. But you know, that's what we're fans, that's what we're here to do. We're here to speculate and kind of project uh down the line. And if Portland really feels solid with with Shaden Sharp, and you feel like Hart could be a piece to get you something else, um, and do you want to pay him more than what he's being? You know, we always talk about what's your production versus your your salary. Josh is really great right now at thirteen million, but how much higher are you willing to pay for a Josh Hart type of player when you already have his potential replacement in the wings? Well, and I think Nasir Little. And his, if he can stay healthy, Nasir... It's a great contract. Great contract. Multiple year contract. So I'm very curious, and I don't think that numbers are going to show it right now. But I think that Josh Hart is one of the best guard rebounders in the world. I think he's the best right now. I think he's literally... But how much worse is Nasir Little? I don't think we can do it with the numbers right now because Nasir's had such a limited run. But I remember thinking Nasir Little was a great rebounder that in, in the guard position. So we lose the best, but we probably get an 80% replacement in Nasir. And if we can use Josh Hart to get a game-changing player in a position of, of need. need. Yeah. Because let, let's be real, there's Shade and there's Nasir... There's Keon, there's all of these players that can use the uh, the 98 minutes a game at the, the off-guard position and wing position. 
it's kind of a luxury to have Josh, but it, I don't think it's a necessity to have Josh, especially since Nasir is healthy right now. Now, if at the deadline Nasir gets hurt, that probably changes some things. But Josh Hart right now would help a a team. He's not gonna he's not gonna raise the ceiling per se on a championship, but he's gonna make things along the edges a lot easier for those superstars to to get biz. So yeah, I think that he definitely is a candidate for it. If he can get his if he can get that confidence and start let start letting off some shots, man, that there's a lot more potential in what he can do. So that value goes yeah. up, up and up. And, I, and I'm just even looking towards next season, right? Like Shaden Sharp's going to start sooner rather than later. You know, I made the comparison. Yeah, I made the comparison. He's the five-star true freshman that slowly but surely gets playing time and the upperclassmen can see it. And by the season's end, he's the one that's taking snaps behind center. Uh, he's, he's the one that's, that's QB one. Like it's coming. We, we just don't, it's more of, it's a, it's not if, it's when, when it comes to, to Shaden Sharp. And are you going to want to pay that much money for what, you know, you're keeping Damon Amp from all things, you know, considered. Are you going to pay that much for somebody to come off of your bench? Like, it just feels like the mid-level exception is kind of where you should be at when it comes to, to bench players. And then, and then you have Nasir on a very, very, very team-friendly contract. So it's like. Where are the who are gonna take those who where are those 98 minutes gonna be spent? You know, Ant's going to take some of those off guard minutes. So it's even less than the 40, the the, the 96. So I think that we have one too many quality players in a position that the two three position is probably the most valuable place to have a guy like Josh Hart. Every team he's going to fit in into in damn near any lineup construction. That you can think of. But when you have a guy like Shaden Sharp and you have a guy like Nasir Little that both need minutes to develop. And then even Keon Johnson, like there's just one too many guys. So I think that they do make it. It's tough because I do like Josh Hart, what he provides defensively and rebounding. But if I can get like 85, 90% of the rebounding from Nasir, and if Nasir's shooting is legitimately what it is and the numbers look great, like, He's definitely a luxury, not like a necessity. And if we can get some actual assets back that can help us, you kind of just have to do it. Yeah. I mean, my, my thinking is if, you, if you're going to keep Ant and you're not going to start Josh at the two, uh, so, sooner or later, uh, mm-hmm. something kind of has to come. I mean, it's a business that, I mean, Josh knows what it is when, I, and I, I know a lot of fans love him, but. I, I'm not sacrificing Shaden Sharp or Nasir Little for like you gotta be you gotta be really, really special for me to like even think that Shaden doesn't deserve every minute that he can possibly get. So it's like Josh is very good, but the potential of Shaden Sharp's just so much more valuable that you kind of just have to be like, okay, there's only so many minutes. Shaden deserves these. I'm sorry to Josh. We're going to try and put you in a, a position where you can succeed. Speaking of Shaden Sharp, how do you think he performed um, this week, given an uptick in minutes, played 24 against Memphis, 28 and 27, respectively, 
against Phoenix, had double-digit scorings in both of the games against the Suns, uh, shot 50%, um, was 3 of 5 from downtown against Phoenix, uh, had a couple of jaw-dropping plays against the Suns. Where do you see him right now in his development, and where can you start to see the areas that he's going to tighten up as he develops this season and in the offseason? I feel like his efficiency was really high in these games without Dame or Ant, where like he had to he had to be even more efficient than he normally does because there's no gravity. No, that, nobody is. Taking, no, he is not getting any easy shots unless it's from usage. Well, use of usage, Nurkic. So you have to, you have to, I think he has to pick and choose his spots more. There were times where I wish that he wasn't so aggressive going into the rim because he actually has the ability to shoot and Neon and Justice don't. So, there was times I was like, oh, bro, you're, that's four dudes in the paint. That's just too much. But it's like, you don't want to stop the young guy from being aggressive. So I think that he was really efficient. He he took extra responsibility. I, I still wish he had more uh, you know, responsibilities in the initial playmaking role, but he did what he needed to do and be that it was really efficient in scoring. And then he provided that that athleticism that you need. I wish that we protected him from from himself a little on that 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 second sun or the first Suns game. Thank you. Where... I was going to mention that he had two fouls and he just picked it up. And I was thinking, I, I was like, take book him is going to read him there, like a book. Yeah, there's a minute left. You have him guarding Devin Booker. You know Booker is going to bait him. Surely enough. Yeah. Three fouls in the first half. And then he couldn't quarter. play for a while. Like they, he, he did not play until the third quarter. So I thought I was just, yeah, that was a. You kind of have to protect him from himself because Booker's probably the most. You got to take the best scorer out. Yeah. Like he, any player he's needs number one in that play. position. And uh, Shaden talked about how much he respects him. So you know that he's probably trying to make a, like a draw dropping block on him. You probably have to protect him from themselves, but like. I think that one of the things that's annoying for me watching this team defensively is how switch happy we are, where Josh Hart switches off from Devin Booker in a really clutch scenario and puts Yusuf Nurkic on him. Like, I I think there's a time and place to switch, but when you're putting a seven-footer against the most complex shooting guard in the league, I don't think that that's a proper switch. And I know, like, you know, that that's what the the Suns were elated to have that happen but we need like in certain scenarios wave off the switch and fight through that damn screen because josh hart has a much more he has a better chance at stopping it you know booker's one of the best scorers ever so he'd probably even make it but you shouldn't be so so excited to switch onto a bigger guy and i I think that that happens a lot and then yusuf is getting you know, blamed for having De'Aaron Fox or Chris Paul or Devin Booker go past him. He shouldn't have that responsibility to guard somebody with 10 seconds left and they're cooking him. Like that's going to happen every time. So I, I really wish that we would instill some like, it's not an auto switch every time defensively. Sometimes Josh Hart has to fight through the DeAndre screen and at least go under it, over it, something, not just die and let Yusuf get cooked. And on the other side of the ball, I was a little disappointed in how few attempts we actually set up for Shaden 
I mean, there was an out-of-bounds out of alley-oop that should have happened, but I, the, the inbounds uh, passer completely missed it. But there, there were times when you'd watch him against Houston and they would run a curl for him. He gets a wide-open mid-range jumper. Like There are times during when I watch the game and I'm texting him, like, the, the team isn't even looking for him. Like our, I, I don't know if it's the fact that maybe they're not a good passer or they... I think a lot of it is that the, I don't think there's many good passers on this team right now. Yes, he is so many lot. I'm just throw the fucking ball up there. Let, well, who's the best passer there. on this team right now? God, I don't know. It's Yusuf. Yeah, it's Yusuf. Yeah. And so... I, I think that for whatever reason, we didn't play him a lot. So you take out your best passer by far. I... <sighs> It's you so can run weird. so many good action with Yusuf and Shaden off. Ball. Yeah, and, and like their numbers are, I'm looking at their numbers right now. It's all boosted really high when those two are on the court together. So there's obviously a connection. Yusuf, uh, this is something Tara says, but Yusuf loves being a big brother. Yeah. What's better than a, being a big brother to a guy that's a potential superstar and you happen to be signed to this team for five years? So yeah, he knows yeah. where his, you, he, he knows who to be friends with. And to I be mean, the big brother, he's got, he's got a a buttery a buttery touch. Like some of the threes he's hitting, just the, the form looks Better. immaculate. Uh, he 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 has just some jaw dropping athletic plays. Friday night, he goes up and under, like in the ball, he brings it down to his knees and finishes off the glass reverse. Saturday on the other end of the floor comes out of nowhere and just makes a sick weak side block on Devin Booker, like catching the ball at the apex, nearly the top of the, the backboard. Like we are seeing just little by little, like starting to reveal the entire picture of Shaden Sharp. And yes, there are things where he has to improve. You you talked about him, you know, dribbling to the basket and not really knowing the move he wants to, to, to full, to pull off. He's kind of just like, Oh, I'll just use my right hand. Like he hasn't, figured that out takes time. that takes time. exactly like that's and, the and he hasn't word. played basketball in two years part of me is just like just rise up and just dunk it on him um or like you said he's so good in the mid-range just pull up from from 15 um but yeah, he's gonna finish at the rim you you saw that memphis game where he had a couple of of good attempts missed them and then he finally got that last one high over adam so once he gets his feet wet even more often and just gets more comfortable there's probably things he's doing in practice that he just hasn't brought into the game. Like there, you have to be really comfortable with what your moves are. And what I love about him most is he's just not forcing it. There was a play in Phoenix where he had the ball, uh, probably a two on three fast break where, you know, he probably could have taken it to the cup and maybe gotten a foul, but he saw that Nurk had his player sealed underneath the basket and just made a beautiful pass from the top of the key. Nurk gets fouled, gets to the line. Like a younger player with maybe doesn't do that. He he plays like a vet. Yeah, he either doesn't make the pass, maybe doesn't feel like he's capable of making the pass, or he's just like pulling up from three, or just does not see it. Yeah. So the the feel for the game, I, I think, is out of this world for, from Shaden Sharp. Like the that's why I want to give him as much time as possible, putting it put put him in as many different scenarios. Um, you talked about fighting through screens. I feel like he's one of the few. Yeah, he's one of the few. I mean, like fights yeah. through the screens. Like mm-hmm. he is an engaged off-ball defender. Um, it's just, it just enjoy the show. Like this is the process. Like it's almost like you're cooking. Like just, just enjoy it because it's, it's gonna be delicious. And it's, 
I, I'm I'm thrilled that that we have number seventeen. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah, and it's not like he's overextended. Like you look at uh, you look at uh, shit green from the rocket. Like you look at the Rockets point guards; they're overextending themselves. He hasn't over. He doesn't overextend what he can do. I think he knows right now that he isn't the best dribbler so he's not trying to to like put himself in scenarios where he has to get past a good defender yet but like i think all of these moments where he's on the court contributing is huge for the future like he's learning stuff he's learning stuff like kd wasn't kd that first year with the sonic see there was a lot of learning so he's 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 learning so there's going to be mistakes he's learning he's 19 18 19 he hasn't played basketball in two years. There's going to be things that he's learning about, but he's not making those those basic mistakes. So it's like he it looks like he's a four year vet when he's really 18, 19. So it's a really it's really spoiling him. I feel like if I think that Neil O'Shea has failed Damian Lillard in terms of building a team that highlights dame's skill set and his height like his skills i feel like shade and sharp because of the size can and the the, the two the two three multi-position like he can do either one two or three i feel like it's going to be easier for him to reach that superstar status because he can fit in with so many different position groups like like if if you have a two that can't shoot that negatively affects Dame. And then it negatively affects Shaden. But because he has those inches on Dame, we can make things work with a less than optimized team. So team building will be easier for Shaden than it is for Dame because of the size and positionality of both of those players. Do you think that that's a true statement? Or do you think that uh, team building around a point guard would be easier? No, I think that's true. Yeah. Um, it's I, it's always easier to build around size. I mean, like you can do what the Celtics did with Jason Tatum with Shaden Sharp. You couldn't put, you know, non-shooters surrounding Dame. Like, so it, I think that it's it's easier just because of the 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 size and the strength of Shaden, and then the the absolute top tier athleticism of Shaden. It's a much easier way of team building. Neil will show you had to hit a hundred percent. He he didn't. I think that there's a lot. I, I think that's I no, I think that's false. Neil will just had to do well in the 2017 draft, and we would have been just fine. Just fine, but no, no just fine, meaning we would be set. Sure. We, but... we could potentially have a championship in 2019 if he doesn't boof that 2017 draft. Sure, but Tw- that championship, that's end of discussion. That's great. We're good. But it's easier. I mean, like. Neil Shea didn't have the right mindset for it. And, you know, I don't I don't know Cronin. Like, he hasn't had that many opportunities. Like, Cronin's going to have a much easier job because of Shaden Sharp. We're seeing someone that has superstar potential develop right here, right now in front of you. And then you still have Damian Lillard being a superstar. So you have best of both worlds with you're competing right now and your your stud rookie is actually helping. And he can actually contribute later in the year for wins. So you have your cake and eat it too. Like you don't have to full tank and shade and develops, but you have Damian Lillard to be that, to be that mentor. 
do you think the Western Conference is as vaunted and daunting right now than we anticipated? No, it absolutely not, man. Because I mean, I'm looking at the Phoenix Suns. They're seven and two. We we have beat them twice. And Cam Johnson torn meniscus. It looks like Jay Crowder wants a trade. Uh, Chris Paul does not look like Chris Paul. I I don't know if there is. Now in the Eastern Conference is a different beast. Like, yeah, that's that, a different. Yeah, that man out there, Giannis is, is. But you worry about him later. Western Conference specifically, I think it's wide open, and I think there are a lot of teams that are going to feel that way as well. Um, but the Utah Jazz eight and three. They they beat the Clippers tonight in Los Angeles. Are they for real, Sage? Like what? What is? I know it's a Blazer podcast, but Utah is a division rival. What? I keep seeing that Laurie Marketing's dirt. <laughs> so, yeah, what what are they going to do? Are they going to take? I don't think they trade Laurie. Are they going to have they trade a, a OKC year in uh, nineteen twenty when they trade for Chris Paul? Everyone thinks they're going to tank, and they end up almost winning a playoff series. They take the Rockets to seven, and then they blow up the team. Or is it because Wembenyama's here? I think they're almost already out of the Wembenyama sweepstakes. Like it would take a monumental tank. To get them in, I mean, yeah, you could get really lucky and win the lottery, but like, does this hot start like really? I think it makes Danny Ainge a little irritated, but like, let's sure be real. It it's gonna this be jazz tough. team's better than the Brooklyn Nets easily. Like yeah, this jazz seems like legitimately pretty good. Like they 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 did a really good job of getting getting assets for those picks or for those players. But Lowry, Marketing, Mike Conley, like all these players are good. So it's not like they they took bottom dweller players. They they got talented guys back. It kind of reminds me of the '99 Trailblazers. This was pre Scottie Pippen. They kind of came out of nowhere. They went in the in the lockout 50 game season. They went 35 and 15. They made the Western Conference Finals. They were a Sean Elliott miracle away from making it interesting against the Spurs. Uh, so. Part of me thinks, yeah, they could be real. They're they're they have some chemistry. They're playing well. Um, Mike Conley's just, playing back to backs, bro. I'm just really curious how the organization is going to handle the success. You and didn't didn't you think Ochai Abaji was going to have free reign to play? He's not playing. He's not playing. Like, like the, the the prize rookie isn't playing. The prize rookie is our big dog Walker Kessler. <laughs> I mean, yeah. he's, playing, he's playing good ball. No, he's playing some good minutes. Like, but like Kelly Olenek's good basketball player. Like Clark, sorry, good mar, good Beasley. Like good Sexton is coming off your bench. I think uh, if they trade Mike Conley, then I know that that tank's gonna happen pretty pretty. Is, it, is, is there really gonna be that much of a drop off? Colin Sexton to Mike Conley, yes, for sure. I think I think Mike Conley is the linchpin of this team because. He's an adult that knows how to win games. Like, Laurie's putting up numbers, but you have to have that decision maker. And Mike Conley is that decision maker. And then Colin Sexton sucks at passing. So there's going to there's going to be a huge drop-off in that aspect. But right now, they're winning games, and I don't know if that's what Danny Ainge really wants. But is there a market for Mike Conley? Like, doesn't almost every good team have a good point guard already? Do you think the Lakers are a good team? <laughs> no. Uh, I know they're not going to trade picks for Mike Conley. Like, so oh, that's, what I'm, yeah. that's what I'm so, saying. That's what I'm saying. I think the the the, the, like, I, the yeah, the 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 niche they need a point guard thing. 
Yeah, but I, I don't know, man. Like, I feel like Vando's very tradable. If Mike Conley can get traded, I think they will try to. But right now, their chemistry is really off the charts. So yeah, it's the dynamics are so intriguing to me because if they just blow it up, that's just like the biggest fuck you. Like fuck I, you to their fans, dude. To the to the to competition to the league. Like you're winning with this team. What, what that's what you try to do, right? Win. Like so that's it, it's fascinating to kind of watch that unfold uh, right now. But Sage, let's get into the upcoming week of Blazer basketball. They are still out on the road. Uh, They have three games this week, which we will discuss. Four games, excuse me. Four games this week we will discuss. Monday at Miami. Wednesday at Charlotte. Thursday at New Orleans. And Saturday at Dallas. Uh, Let's kick it off with the Miami Heat, a team the Blazers should be familiar with. It was the game that Damian Lillard went out. It was 79-70. to When Dame left the game, Miami took it and ran away for a 21-point victory, but it's still not a solid Heat team. They looked mm, great. Bam's against, been pretty shitty. They looked great against Portland, but they are still four and six on the season. Uh, just lost to the Indiana Pacers, which is a real bad loss. Lost to the Kings earlier as well. Um, it is the first game back for them uh, from a quick road trip to Indiana. Uh, I believe Jimmy Butler is questionable yeah he was out he's been out for a while so tyler hero's kind of been then i heard tyler hero was questionable Mm -hmm. as well according to the the injury report so i and i and and bam's been questionable for a while and then out but dame is questionable so it's really hard to uh predict these games but how do you see this one unfolding it's tough because I feel like the Heat and uh, Heat and Blazers have kind of similar issues where they have one legitimate big man and then it drops off a cliff. And like I don't know if Jim, it's so hard to to know because you don't know who's playing, especially with everybody being questionable. But if if Dame's out and Butler's out and Ants, I, I, I Dame has a much better chance of playing than Ant, right? Ant is doubtful, and he's probably not playing. Yeah. So if Dame plays, God, that's so difficult. Um, It's a very tough one because there's so many question marks of like who's playing and who's not. Because it it feels like damn April with uh, how the rosters are. But I feel like the one thing that you know when you play Miami is it's going to be a physical game. So I wonder what our guard situation is to deal with the physicality. Like, do you think Justice Winslow can deal with, you know, the pressing and the 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 super physical nature of this Heat team? So there's a lot of question marks. But if Dame's there, I think that takes a lot of the uh, worry of decision-making away from this team because I think that he knows what to do. He's been there, saw that against, like, you know, every type of defense that the Miami Heat can employ. So if Dame plays, I think they win. But if he doesn't, I think we lose. Yeah, this game to me is going to be all about defending the three-point line. Miami was just red hot in Portland. They shot 15 of 38, which is nearly 40% from from downtown. They also... um, 
excuse me, forced 19 Blazer turnovers. Caleb Martin was an absolute pest mm-hmm. on, on defense and kind of really kind of ignited that that heat run. You know, if you remember, Portland actually held like a seven to nine point lead throughout most of that first half. And it was a balanced heat attack. They had six players in double figures. Um, they got 16 off the bench from Max Struess. And it's it just seems like they always have a balanced attack. Eric Spolstra has our number. Um, I would love to say Portland wins this game, but I, I don't see it. Um, it's a tough one because of what Miami is. We don't defend the three very well. And, and they have so many shooters. You say we like to switch. We do like to switch. Um, and that that's going to be self-destruction if like, we get one switch wrong. That's an open three for a like a Max Spruce or a a Duncan Robinson. Like they're gonna hit that six out of ten times. All right, let's move ahead. So to... do you say Miami wins? No, I, yeah, I said Miami wins. Okay. And by the way, the standings are still uh, one game apart. You are five and four. I am six and three. Uh, we both correctly guessed the split in Phoenix, but we both said Portland would beat Memphis, and that didn't happen. No, no, no. I said Memphis was going to win. Uh, you. I totally said Memphis was going to win. One superstar there. Oh, you did. You did. Yeah. Okay. All right. Uh, the Hornets on Wednesday. Uh, no LaMelo Ball. No uh, that... Scary Terry. We're going to see our old buddy Dennis Smith Jr. on point. Oh, my gosh. He's yeah. still out. Mm-hmm. Well, okay. like I know Scary Terry was doubtful to out the last time they played. So I assume that T- Scary Terry is the only real point guard that potentially could happen. I think LaMelo Ball is going to be securely out. But yeah, no Cody Martin uh, on Saturday, no Gordon Hayward on Saturday either. Last Saturday. Yeah, it was a lot of uh, Kelly Oubre and then PJ Washington has stepped up. Um, he's definitely shot more and i mean this is not this is not a good basketball team. no 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 no. this is the worst one like dame can play miami and not play this one and i feel pretty damn good that we would i would do the opposite i would give dame additional rest and really get a good win against uh the charlotte horns to me this is a must win yeah i know we're in november you can't go one and five on a road trip because the games only get tougher this is the game you circle on the the preseason schedule and say you have to have this game. There there are no ifs, ands, or buts. You have to win this game because you don't really want all of that goodwill from that four zero start to go on if you lose to the this this Charlotte Hornets. I mean, you lose to Miami, you lose to Charlotte, then you're staring down you know New Look Orleans and, and Dallas. Yeah, um, that's just that that's not a good recipe. I think the Blazers uh, will win this game. Yeah, I think- they have to. I think this is going to be a high, like, because of how fast this stupid team plays, there's a chance that we just blow them out rather quick because it's going to be so many extra possessions. Like, I think it's going to be like seven extra possessions because of this, the pace of this team and the how dog shit they are defensively. I mean, I want to see Portland just dominate the glass. This team outside of Mason Plumley has no rebounders on it. Um, they're, they Mark play Williams three. is seven foot and jumps out of the chair. Malcolm, he's not a good rebounder. He's not even playing. Oh, yeah, because it's Nick Richards, right? Yeah, Nick Nick gets the secondary. Nick Richards and uh, JT Thor. Uh, yeah, I've had the fucking displeasure of forgetting to take Nick Richards out of my uh, DFS 
player pool and then he sneaks up into the lineups and I know that I'm losing that particular lineup. Anyway, this this is a kind of a you're playing the Rockets essentially. Like just play good offense and and you should win this game. I would love to see them play better defense, but I that 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 can be tough. Um I think that the depth here might do Charlotte in. They just don't really have a strong bench. So really just don't let Ubre go go crazy. Don't PJ Washington if Hayward plays. I mean DJJ no, I believe Hayward is out. DJJ is built for this type of team. Dennis Smith, yeah, Dennis Smith Jr. is built for this awful fast team where he gets to make the decisions. Like this is what he was made in the NBA for. Fast team, shitty defense, but he's going to put up stats. Like, I, I mean, Blazers should know who the hell is good on this team. It's DJJ, it's PJ, it's Kelly Oubre. Like, and those guys could just shoot themselves out of the game. So, I, I mean, the, 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 the Hornets are just awful. Uh, up next on a back-to-back is the New Hornets Orleans. lose. Blazers win. Yep. What do you see happening in the in the Pelicans game? It's a tough one because... I don't know how the hell we stop Zion. <laughs> I feel like the the order of operations for which I'm scared of is Zion, then it goes to uh, Bi, then CJ, and then I, I I feel like Valanchunas is a good thing for the Blazers because it forces Nurk to play. Because of Willie Green, they're always going to have a traditional center in, so that means that it boosts up use of Nurkic's playing time. And if he can get Valanciunas into foul trouble, that's a beautiful thing. But I just don't know how we don't stay out of foul trouble trying to guard Zion. Like, that dude's that dude's just special with the the bounce. So I'm scared that Jeremy Grant p- picks up two fouls in the first quarter and then we're putting Shaden Sharp on him or putting somebody that shouldn't be like Justice Winslow. So I, I really am scared of what Zion could do to our really light front court. Yeah, I, I don't know how Portland matches up. I, I think the best way to beat this team is to limit the amount of touches Zion gets. Like if, if BI or CJ want to go ISO all game. That, that's the best thing you can do for us. That's all you can really hope for. Hope for. I mean, I, I look at, at CJ against the, 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 the Hawks, a game uh, Atlanta won in overtime. Great 29 points, 10 boards, zero assists. Mm-hmm. So, like, if if they want to go mano we mano and just kind of like Dame versus CJ type of thing, yeah, that's I think the best possible. I outcome. think Port- Portland should should welcome that. Um, but if I, they like go to Zion, I don't know how we win. I think the only I think way- we can, I think we can, we can stop CJ, but BI and Zion are just too like, where who does Jeremy Grant defend? Like, what happens here? You can't put Yusuf on Zion. He'll just go right by him. If you put Josh Hart on Zion, he's just going to post him up and get 50. And then I don't th- I don't feel good about Josh Hart against B.I. if he's fully, fully back from that concussion. Yeah, I think this is just a poor matchup. Or poor. I think the only way Portland wins is if, if Dame drops like 50. I've, I mean, Styles dictate fights and they dictate basketball games i think that this is just a bad matchup for the blazers yeah i have, I have new orleans winning this one yeah. especially on, on a second half of, of a back-to-back this is one team portland should 
kind of avoid when it comes to position potential playoff yeah, yeah, positioning. Let somebody else handle that three-headed monster. And then the last game of the evening, the Dallas Mavericks. Uh, Are you and- more scared of New Orleans than Dallas as in the a Portland perspective? Oh, easily. Yeah. Yeah. I'm Dallas, I don't think is a good team. They have a fantastic player. New Orleans, I think once they figure it out, they're a great team. Mm-hmm. Um, I also, as great as Luca is, I think it's still harder to game plan for a player like Zion Williamson who could literally foul out your entire team. Now, Luca's the Relative. better player, yeah. But there are certain things when he's hitting forty foot step backs, you just you tip your cap and you move on. That's not really, you know, it's a higher degree of difficulty shot. You're probably not fouling him like Zion. Almost is just like a ground and pound football team that just gets five, six yards, every rush. And it's just consistently wearing your team down and there's no defender for him. I don't know who you can defend there. There are certain players that give Luca a little bit of problems, but either way, Luca has been magnificent this year, probably second right now. If you were to do an early MVP race behind Giannis, mm-hmm. um, it's, it's a team that did lose Jalen Brunson uh, in the off season. They picked up uh Campazzo off of the waivers to take some of the ball handling duties there, but they really got a kind of a boost when Tim Hardaway Jr. returned from from injury. They made the trade for for Christian Wood. They have won three straight again, all at home against the likes of Orlando, Utah, and Toronto. Utah was only a three point victory. Um, Let's I think talk about Christian Wood for a second. I think this game's winnable. I definitely think it's win. It's way more winnable than New Orleans, but. Yes. I, th- I think that Jason Kidd has had some issues with center rotations with JaVale starting and then Christian Wood playing limited minutes. Christian Wood looks amazing right now, but he's also shooting at like a in like it's going to negatively regress. So if Christian Wood is still red hot, it's going to be an issue because he's that guy that's capable as a second scorer. But He's going to negatively regress because he's been so, so efficient. So if this is a game where it's just Luka, it makes things a lot easier. I know we've had troubles defending Christian Wood in the past, but I feel like Jeremy Grant could be a really good person to defend Christian Wood because he can match him athletically. I I think Yusuf is going to have trouble every minute that Christian Wood's on the floor and he has to be the responsible defender on him. So. I think Luke is going to get his regardless because we just don't have a guy. But if we can limit Tim Hardaway, we can limit uh, Christian Wood in his limited rotations. Like, I, I feel really good about that. It It's kind of like, just don't let everybody kill you. Like, Luke is going to do it regardless. But if we can stop Tim Hardaway, Christian, Spencer, I feel good about the W. Is this Can Nurk play in this game if they go small? Is because they they start Finney Smith and Powell up front. Javale, oh yeah, Javale's been hurt. Javale played four minutes their last game. Yeah, it's a, it's been a weird one. Um, because that's Portland's advantage, but Portland could also get played off the court. Played off the floor, yeah. Especially if it's Christian Wood just pick and rolling him to death, or Maxi Kleber hitting threes because he's not. That's a tough one. I I personally would not be playing him that much in like daily fantasy because I don't think that 
that there's a hundred percent chance he's like with Jonas and Jackson Hayes. I think that Nurk stays on the floor, but Christian Wood's going to go around him, and I think Maxi could just hit threes on him. So this might be one where we go small with uh, with Jeremy Grant, and then he's kind of like a limited twenty two minute participant, and hopefully he's just like getting every rebound when he's out there in those 22 minutes. This is a game you really wish you had Gary Payton the second. Oh God. Yeah. Because you're going to have to go small. What's your small lineup then to, to match Dallas? Who do you go? Is it going to be, is yeah, Anna possible? I, I'm assuming Anthony is going to return at some point on this trip. That would be really weird for him to miss the whole six game trip when he, he mm. played the whole mm-hmm. Memphis game. Like what are we, are we on some weird Zach Collins in, injury stuff or it happens and nobody knows like where it happens. Yeah, totally. I don't know. So I, I think it would be, finishing five would be Dame, Ant, Josh Hart, Shaden, Jeremy, probably. You wouldn't put Justice in there? You, I don't think that Justice is very useful with Dame and Ant. That's just me and my biases. So I wouldn't. Chauncey might. Yeah, I, I like that five. I'll take it as long as uh, I think Shaden needs to be out there. I think. Yeah, yeah. That's, I, I'm not. Defender. I am not taking Shaden out to put Justice in. That is just against everything I stand for as a basketball guy, like I don't want to make Dame's life harder. And just as Winslow makes Dame's life harder. Do you, have a, do you have a win or a loss here? I think we beat Dallas lose to new Orleans. If I didn't say that, yeah. I have us losing this game. I, I think if Portland's defense wasn't so switch happy, I think they win the game in York. So do you think Luke, Luca just out, just destroys us off the, the, the switch and, Yusuf gets into foul trouble really quick or I think yeah I mean you could do I think they're going to highlight anybody that Nurk is guarding and they're going to have that player set a pick for Luca and then it's foul or they're going to do pick and pops and they're going to just go small and they're going to say oh Maxi you're going to shoot threes Dwight Powell you know you're going to he's he's bouncy enough like it's it's tough like because Portland could get 30 from Nurk they could just dump it into him and he could do work like he has done earlier this season. Uh, but I think he has the shortest leash too. Like, yeah, it's, it's, it's tough. Um, I I don't know how, how they defend unless they they go zone. If they go zone and Dallas isn't hot, there's your opportunity to win the game. And that's what Portland might have to do. You might have to just say, yeah, we want Tim Hardaway shooting. We don't want Luca shooting like maybe a box and one on Doncic. Um, Josh Green, playing, here's your chance to win us win the game. <laughs> yeah, you know, Dallas is playing a lot of close games. You know, they're not just running away with these games at home. So um, I definitely feel like it's the most winnable of the game. Eh, Miami's maybe a little more winnable, but most the Charlotte's one, the most winnable. You know, I already predict that one is a win. Yeah. Uh, so I, I think they might go one and three this week. So um, I'm the three and one guy, right? Yes. Yeah, I'm a, I'm the optimist and you're the pessimist. Well, it would be so much easier if I if I knew the I mean, yeah, what the rotations like there's so many what ifs and, you know. So it, it is it is what it is. I mean, but if I, if I it's not there, that's going to be worrisome. I wouldn't be surprised if they beat Miami or Dallas. I almost am certain they will lose against the Pelicans and I mm-hmm. I I think they have to beat New, uh, Charlotte. I I there's no mm-hmm questions about that they, they need to they need to come home of this road trip with at least two victories three would be absolutely phenomenal so if they can steal another one and go two and two this week i think everybody should be thrilled with it but more most importantly 
Um, continue to keep the games competitive outside of Saturday's game against Phoenix. Every game has been really fun to watch and tight down to the wire. So just keep playing competitive basketball. I keep playing with, with that chip. I I think they need to not overthink it. And if Josh have a good, is there a classic Josh Hart game in any of these four? I don't know. Maybe he's still dealing with those concussion issues. Like I know he was in the protocol. Like that could be, Totally. We don't know what we don't gonna, know what's I happening. I think he will have to if Portland is going to get more more than two wins. I think the Charlotte Hornets is a perfect Josh Hart game. Like lots of lots of action. I can just see him doing that quick penetration, like point guard dribble type thing, and getting a lot of points. If he if he shoots, that's awesome. But I th- I feel like the Charlotte Hornets game is just going to be prime Josh Hart, but. Also, it's prime Shaden Sharp, and it's prime Justice Winslow, and it's prime whoever else is on. Nothing this year could go biz. So I, I don't know if like New Orleans, maybe the revenge narrative in New Orleans, but I don't like to use that as a projection because sometimes they suck against their former team, and sometimes they're great. So it's just like it's either or. All right. Uh, I think that about wraps this episode up. Sage, let our listeners know where they can hear this podcast. We are available on iTunes, Stitcher, Himalaya Podcast. Everywhere that you have a podcast feeder, we are there. I try and get the uh, the YouTubes out. Uh, I, I try and get the transcription of the podcast out. But I know for a fact that tomorrow the Blazers podcast will be out. But there's those other things that may or may not be out. I don't know trying to trying to prepare for a new career so but we will be here every we'll be out every monday for you to uh to listen to and uh vibe with so thank you to everybody that listens and we're out wherever you may be this is bill shinley good night everybody Let's-